Yeah, turn to the book of Hebrews chapter 12. I don't know if we have any hunters uh, here with us. I, about the only thing that I hunt uh, are videos on YouTube. Anybody go on YouTube? And, and, and I, I was looking for a particular documentary on there. And, um, and, and when I opened up the YouTube app, uh, the first video that popped up, I don't know why, but it was this deer. And um, apparently these, these two guys were out in the woods. I assume that they were hunting and they came across this deer, and the deer didn't run away. And so, you know, the video camera was rolling, and they said the deer just standing there, and it heard them coming. And come to find out, this deer, its antlers were stuck. Uh, apparently, a, a second deer had had a, a fight with some wolves or coyotes or something, and uh, it had been killed. And this second deer comes along and doesn't realize the deer is dead, I guess, and tried to lock up antlers. And anyway, I don't know how long this deer had been pulling stuck to this dead carcass of a deer, but um, foolishly had it just kind of become entangled. And, and so they came across this deer, and the deer just kind of had its head down. And in fact, when they walked up to it, it just kind of fell over, and the dead carcass kind of rolled up on top of it. And so they did some work trying to cut the dead deer's antlers so that the deer could pop up and just, you know, prance away. That's what we would envision, but right? But when they cut the dead deer's antlers, this deer, which I don't know too much about, I'm not a hunter, but it kind of wobbled to its feet, looked at the people who had set him free, then turned in the opposite direction and just kind of walked off like this. It was, it was sad, but it made me think of us, of you and me. And how often we sing joy to the world. We've been set free. And yet with our heads down, we continue to be entangled by all of the things of this world that just suck our joy out of our lives. Why is this? You know, joy, is, it's a major theme in, in all of the Christmas carols that we sing. Oh, come all ye faithful, joyful, and triumphant. Joy to the world we've been singing. Joyful, joyful, we adore thee. As Sarah read these words for us this morning about the birth of Jesus, the angel proclaimed that the first Christmas, the, the message was good news of great joy. That was not the picture of the deer and tangled with all of its death. But a a Savior has come to set us free from from all of the pharaohs, from from all of the lion's dens, from all of the Caesars, from all of the prisons that we find ourselves in. Almighty God has come to set us free and to give us joy. And yet, why is it that so many Christians are stuck kind of wandering through life still in search of joy. You know, I, I think we come to the holidays. Uh, you know that song, uh, Tis the Season to be Merry and, you know, Joyful? We, we think of joy kind of like the season. It comes and it goes. It comes and it goes. And, and so we've begun to believe that joy is just kind of a, a symptom of our circumstances. And so it's got me asking the question, where'd my joy go? Anybody ever kind of wondered that? Maybe you've not asked it out loud, but 
man, what happened to the joy that once just kind of oozed from me? Where'd my joy go? Turn to your neighbor and just ask him, have you seen my joy? Have you seen my joy? I don't know if you've ever seen that, uh, the Christmas movie, The Elf, Buddy the Elf. Have you seen that movie? There, there's one point where Buddy the Elf, who, he's a North Pole elf, or at least he thought he was, and, and he comes to New York City in search of his dad, his real dad, and, and he discovers New York City is just like, you know, it's, it's, like, it's like more wonderful than he can imagine, and he, and he finds this revolving door, you know, at a storefront. Do you remember that image? joy is like, you know, it comes to us and then it's gone. And then it comes to us and then it's gone. And it comes to us and then it's gone. We, we think of joy this way. And that is not what joy is. And so I, I wonder if this morning we might discover where our joy is found. I would invite you to stand if you're able as we listen to the Word of God spoken to us today. The writer of the Hebrews says, Therefore, since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on the manger, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith, For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame. And he sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Would you pray with me? Father in heaven, we ask today that you might, by the power of your Holy Spirit, speak life into our dead hearts. Lord, would would you bring the gift of joy and and help us to discover, discover what you long to give to us. We pray this in Jesus' wonderful name, amen. You may be seated. He invites us to fix our eyes on Jesus. This doesn't apparently uh, seem to be um, an Advent kind of uh, uh, scripture, but I, I believe that what, um, what the author to the Hebrews is telling us is joy comes in Jesus, right? So, so he, says, he says to the, to the people back then and to us today, fix your eyes, fix your eyes, settle your gaze on Jesus. Joy comes not through life circumstances, through our ups and our downs, but it's a perspective, It's a way of looking at things. This really helps me because it it sets me free from the the feeling, the need to to feel a certain way all the time. When life just socks me in the gut and I'm just aching in pain, I, I don't have to smile and pretend that I'm feeling great when I'm not feeling great. But we're called to fix our gaze upon Jesus. You know, we've got Christians that they get a job, they go to work, and then they feel like work isn't very fulfilling, and so they quit their job. We've got people who are doing great things, but then the, 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 the wonder and the, the feeling wears off, and so they quit. We've got people who are 
in marriages that just feel really wonderful for a while. And then the feeling wears off. And so they quit their marriage. We need to understand that sometimes joy, it's not the absence of sadness or the presence of the spectacular, but just recognizing that Jesus is among us and that he's Lord over this moment, even when I just got socked in the gut. And that God will faithfully save us, will lead us, will guard us, will heal us to whatever that next moment may be, good or bad. I want you to hear this. Maybe some of you have heard this before. This isn't new to me, but I just love this truth. Joy is not a symptom of circumstance, but rather a product of perspective. Would you just say that with me? Joy is not a symptom of circumstances, but rather a product of perspective. I I wish you could just get that emblazoned in in your hearts and minds, that when life does this with our feelings, that joy maintains, and and it is a product of of fixing our gaze, fixing our eyes, and keeping our eyes set on Jesus. Now, we're going to bounce around a little bit in the Scriptures. If you have the book of, uh, if you have the Bible with you, if you want to turn to the book of Philippians, Paul writes, he says, Now, I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel, and because of this... I rejoice. Let me tell you a little bit about Philippians. This is a book that it's really been, it's been called the epistle of joy. This idea of joy, Paul writes about, about every seven verses. In, in this little book, he, he mentions the word joy more than 16 times. Sometimes it's in the, as a noun, joy. Sometimes it's in a verb, rejoice. But it's all about joy. Now here's where it gets really funky is that Paul is writing from prison. Paul's been in and out of prison. The Roman soldiers, the Roman uh, government, they they don't like the fact that he's out preaching there's another God other than Caesar, and he's stirring up the crowds. And they don't like it, and so they've thrown him in prison several times. This may be the very last time that he's in prison. And I tell you, especially in the summertime in the Mediterranean, prisons are uh, anything but cozy, comfortable resorts. Um, It's hot, he's sweaty, and he's probably under the perspective of, I'm not getting out of here. And yet he says, and I'm going to read this again, now brothers and sisters, I want you to know that what has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel And because of this, because of the circumstances that I am, because I'm not well fed, because I'm hungry, because they're beating me, because you're keeping me behind bars, I rejoice. I, I rejoice. I have joy because this is actually serving uh, to advance the gospel. Joy is anything but circumstantial. Paul continues to write to the Philippians. He says, even if I'm being poured out like a drink offering on your sacrifice, on the sacrifice and service that is coming from your faith, 
I'm glad. In fact, I, I rejoice with all of you. And so you too should be glad and rejoice with me. Rejoice why? Because our friend can't come and see us? Because our friend is in prison, probably never to get out? There's something deeper about joy than just our circumstances. He says, fix your eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and the perfecter of our faith. He's the one that blazed the trail. He's the pioneer. He's the one that went to the cross and went through the tomb, and he was resurrected. He's the unblemished, holy Lamb of God. He alone. He is our great high priest, the one who invites us and makes available for us to come before the Father. He's the King of kings. Fix your eyes upon him, And then the author of the Hebrews writes, For the joy set before him, he endured the cross. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross. Those two don't go in the same sentence, do they? It doesn't make sense. It's it's no wonder that joy is seemingly so elusive to us. I mean, who wants to... Go to a cross, be humiliated, suffer, be beaten, and and die. But how many of us want joy? Certainly all of us. God the Father came to the Son and, and invited Him to take up your cross and become the means of salvation to the world I love so much. Jesus didn't find joy in the event of the cross. He found joy in the promised outcome. Trust me. This is the way that I have for you. Trust me. It's not going to feel good being socked in the gut, but trust me, there's something more coming. And Jesus invites every single one of us to take up our cross, to, to follow him, and to find joy, even joy amidst suffering. In surrendering our ways to the way of love, the way of the Father, the way of forgiveness, the way of servanthood. There is joy in trusting obedience to God because, don't don't miss this, because of the joy set before Him. Joy was set right before Him. God the Father put joy right here in His path, in this moment. Why don't we find joy? Because instead of finding joy right here that God has placed in this moment for us, we're doing this. Where's my joy? Where's my joy? Where's my joy? Have you seen my joy? Have you seen my joy? Oh, remember when we were on the mountaintop? Oh, joy. Remember when we went on that vacation? Oh, joy. Remember things were all hunky-dory? Do you remember before COVID? Oh, joy, joy, joy. But have you seen my joy? Because things have gotten really, really hard. Have you, have you seen my joy? Everybody's turning their head from side to side. And instead of fixing our eyes on the one who has come to us and is right here among us, calling us to trust and obey, to to follow him, that that as we follow him, the one who is with us is for us and and will lead us in the pathway of joy. Look at Psalm 16. 
long before the Messiah. Long before Jesus has come, they were talking about joy that has come to them. The psalmist writes, Therefore my heart is glad and my tongue rejoices. My body also will rest secure. How many restless folks do we have in this season? My body will rest secure because you will not abandon me to the realm of the dead, nor will you let your faithful one, he's talking about the one who has come for us, nor will you let your faithful one see decay. You make known to me the path of life, and you will fill me with joy. Where? Not over there. Not over here. Not in my past. Not way down the road. But you will fill me with joy in your presence, with eternal pleasures at your right hand. Here's an important question that we've kind of been asking. But where is joy found? Ultimately, it's, it's not even in the promises of God, but it is in the promise maker. It is in God's presence. And where is God present? I'm right here. I'm right here. You don't have to climb the mountain. I'm sending my son right down into the valley. And you may be walking through the darkness right now. But I, I promise you, I am with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. God's presence is right here in front of us. You remember the, the U2 song? Um, Bono saying, uh, I still haven't found what I'm looking for. Still haven't found. I mean, he is looking everywhere. Where's, where's my joy? That's, that's the question the world is asking. There. So we're ser- searching, pursuing happiness. Where's my joy? Have you seen my joy? I still haven't found what I'm looking for. Do you, do you remember um, there was a car company commercial at Christmas time? And, and do you remember the car that, with the big bow on top? The, uh, the, I think it's Lexus. But some like really expensive car. And, and, and the, the husband on Christmas morning, decides what a great gift to give his wife, blindfolds her, and, and brings her out into the snowy Christmas morning. There in the front drive is this, you know, $100,000 more Lexus. And she is just so surprised by joy. That's what the world says. You know what would happen in my house <laughs> if I did that? I don't know about your house. There may be, there may be a second of joy, followed by a long season of irritation, anger, division between husband and wife, and ultimately humiliation as we take that car back to the dealership, get a lot less money uh, for it than what we bought it for, and, and then go back home in, in our, our old car in silence. Our world tells us that joy comes under the tree, that joy comes out in the driveway. But joy, we know it's not found in stuff. It's not looking at the neighbors here or there. And joy is not found just by, well, remember how it used to be. Or looking ahead and just saying, oh, if only. But but joy has come. You've probably heard people say, who stole my joy? Who stole my joy? Man, things were going really well. I was having a great day. 
I was having a great day before, Pastor, you came and told me that X, Y, Z. You stole my joy. Can't nobody steal your joy? Nobody. Not even the evil one can steal your joy. You know, the gospel writer John, he he records this conversation that Jesus has with his disciples, but I want to paint for you the context. They have just experienced this meal together in the upper room. Jesus says, after taking off the outer garment and kneeling down and serving them, to which they're going, you don't serve us, and Jesus is saying, oh, unless I serve you by what I'm about to do, you will never inherit the kingdom. And saying things like, one of you is going to betray me. I mean, you could just feel the heaviness of that moment. And then they head out from the upper room. They head down the stairs and, and in fact, out of the city. And they're going back to a little neighboring town to spend the night. And he's about to be arrested. But I just envision them as they're heading out of the city. And they're along the city walls. And even as they head back uh, up uh, a hilltop, there's, there's some, some groves, some trees, some vines. And Jesus notices some of the fruit on the, on the vines, and he stops right there. And in the darkness, under the light of the moon, he kind of grabs some of that fruit. And he says, boy, in these difficult days, you're going to be tempted to just run and hide with what's coming. You're going to be tempted to just scatter from here. But do you see this vine? Do you see this fruit? Do you remember what joy is? It's the fruit of the Spirit. He said, do you, do you see this vine growing and the fruit that, that is produced from it? And then he says in these words, he says, remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I've told you this so that my joy may be in you. My joy may be in you. The joy that was set before me The joy that enabled me to follow the path that the Father had called me to, even though I knew it was not heading into a a mountaintop experience, at least not at first. I told you this to remain in me so that my joy may be in you and your joy may be complete. Where did our joy go? It's found in Him. Joy doesn't flee. Joy doesn't scatter. Joy doesn't come and go. We do. So so friends, where where do we find the joy that comes to the world that we proclaim? Where is real and lasting joy found? I just want to offer you some practical suggestions here. Well, more than suggestions, truth. Practically speaking, where, where do we find joy? Going back to Philippians, 
Paul's answering this question for them in the midst of their friend being in prison. And he says this, he says, In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy. Because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. There is joy right there in the midst of that prison. There is joy right there with Paul in prayerful thanksgiving. Friends, we we can't control our circumstances all the time. But we can pray. It doesn't matter if the schools allow us to pray out loud. We can just close our eyes. And wherever we are, there the Holy Spirit, the joy giver, comes and draws near. And with prayerful thanksgiving to acknowledge, God, you're working. Somehow in the midst of this prison, Somehow, God, you're working. God, those wonderful people called Restoration Church, my family, my faith family, somehow in the midst of whatever is happening in our church in this season, God, you're working. You're doing something. I'm getting older. I'm grieving that my boys have gone away and, you know, sadness and trying to look ahead and see the crystal ball of what's next. But God's... God, God, I thank you that you haven't left us, that you're doing something. I don't know what season you're in. I don't know how you're feeling. But through prayerful thanksgiving, we see, God, you're with us. You're for us. You're doing something. I don't know how your prayer life is. And certainly the prayers of thanksgiving. But when we begin to commune with God, in all seasons, and count our blessings, and give thanks to God for the promises that He made, promises from the Old Testament long ago, over and over and over again, that I've not forgotten you and I will come to you, and giving thanks to God if for no other fulfilled promises, it is that God has come. God is here. Thank you for the empowerment of your Holy Spirit. You promised your Spirit, and now your Spirit lives in. Maybe you can look and you can see some of the promises that God has made to you and fulfilled in you, and you can say thank you. Maybe you can look around you and see, God, you have been faithful to my friend Mark. You have been faithful to my friend. You have been faithful, and I give you praise for the ways that you are working out your salvation in them. Boy, when we just learn to come to God in prayerful thanksgiving, regardless of the prison cells that we may feel we're we're within, joy comes to us. Joy comes to us right there. And did you notice, look at at verses 4 through 7 in Philippians chapter 4. Listen to what he says. We're going to wrap up right here. but He says, Remember, he's, he's writing from prison. Remember, he, he's going to be killed because of his faith. And here he is writing, here he is leading, here he is encouraging. And he tells the Philippians, and, and remember, 
this little upstart plant church to, to which Paul is writing, the larger context is that the, the Roman Empire is God. And this little Philippian faith community, they're getting themselves in trouble. They're doing things that are contrary to the culture of the world around them. In some ways being persecuted, and yet Paul's saying, man, what you guys are part of, you're doing something earth-shattering. And so rejoice in the Lord always. And I'm going to say it again, rejoice. And then somehow he connects joy that we found find right before us with the next step that God calls us to take in Christ. Gentleness. Let your gentleness be evident to all. Why? Because the Lord is near. So don't be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, there it is again, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, joy and peace are so connected The peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Where's my joy? I dropped my joy. Have you guys seen my joy? It is right here before me, Kevin. Joy is right right here before you, regardless of, of your relationships and how rocky things may be going. Regardless of how others may view you today, regardless of your holiday plans or how you may be feeling, where's my joy at? He has come. And so maybe this morning, walking away from having heard from God, maybe you might be in, being invited to a, a deeper rhythm, a, a deeper, more intentional habit of Rejoicing. Rejoice in the Lord always. What does that look like? Just just celebrating. Fixing your mind on Christ and what He has done for us already. God, where I'm walking, boy, there's uncertainty, but there are some there are some things that are certain who you are and what you have done, and I rejoice in that. Maybe it's just a a deeper, more regular pattern of praying and not only pulling out our Christmas list and saying, God, I want, God, I want, God, I want, God, I want, but God, I thank you for. God, I see that you're at work. God, I know, I trust that you are doing something behind the scenes. And and though the story seemingly has more and more chapters, and some of them are going to be, you know, full of all kinds of tension and pain and suffering, but I know how the story ends. And so, God, you are with us. I rejoice, and I give you thanks in all circumstances. Maybe for you, joy enables you to stop spending and start investing. Starting investing in the kingdom. Stop spending all your time putting big bows on cars and believing what Hollywood and the media tells us of, of what makes us happy. And just celebrating the truth that, God, you are with me. 
And if you are with me, who can stand against me? Jesus has come, church. And because he has come to you, maybe it's time for us to come back to him. To remain in him. And in remaining in him to find joy. 